You're listening to the ESO Network, your station for all things geek. Right. We're back. We're back. We should be in Atlanta drinking too much. Yeah. That's fine. It's okay. So, well, first off, we we skipped a week. Sorry, everyone. Yeah. There was an incident with my face. I got in a fight with Bigfoot. Mm-hmm. I kicked Bigfoot's ass, don't you worry. But he got my nose pretty good. Had to get some stitches. Um, and it was really hard to, like, laugh and make mm-hmm. facial expressions with stitches in It's also really hard to get, like, Bigfoot to pay for your insurance. Yeah. Because everybody's like, no, he's not real. Yeah, that sucks. And then every time you're like, you should see the other guy. They're like, I would really like to, but I can't because uh, he's Bigfoot. And you just have, like, one shitty picture of him. Yeah. And it's really just a blurry picture of him hitting me in the face. <laughs> <laughs> Don't worry, I kicked his ass. Mm-hmm. But I, I couldn't really move my face too well. I couldn't make a lot of expressions, so laughing was uh, not part of the, the game plan. No. So we had to take a little break. And then this week is Dragon Con weekend, <sighs> which we're sad about. We are. Yeah, we're recording Labor Day weekend. Yes. Which normally yes. we would be at Dragon Con in Atlanta. Yep, so we wouldn't have been recording. No. But, uh... But that didn't happen. Mm-hmm. Would have been your anniversary. I was going to say. Real Ugh. sad. That fucking sucks. I know. Bummer. So we're making the most of it. Yeah. We just talked to listener Jess and her husband, Sergio. <laughs> and we're probably going to talk to them tomorrow during the masquerade because we always room with them and that's what we would always do on Sunday night. We would uh, get ready while we watch the masquerade. Want a bunch of nerds do skits. Yep, exactly. So making it the most of it. Yeah, this would have been my either 13th or 14th year I have lost. I'm pretty sure it's 13th. Bummer. Sad. Yeah. Sad. Sad not to get to see everyone. Yeah, well, it's all these people who are, like, people who we love, who we usually just see once a year. You see them at this one time a year, which is the bummer. Now you can. And we, like, there were, like, things planned for this year, like, a bunch of things for, like, you know, people were going to come again that haven't been in a while, and meetups, and... Stuff like that. So it's just, it's it's a bummer. But, you know, most of this year has been a bummer. bummer. So. 2020. Bummer. Huge bummer. Would not recommend if you're trying to time travel, don't come back here. Mm-mm. So, yeah. I have no more stitches in my nose. Mm-hmm. Stitches are weird. Yeah, yeah, they are The weird. fact that people, like, just sew you up sometimes. Yeah. Literally when he was was stitching me up, I was just like, I could have done this. No, not me. My stitches are really ugly. You would have had a weird. I do this with fabric all the time. Frankenstein nose. Yeah, no, you wouldn't have lined it up at all. But I would have lined it up. But as soon as I made a stitch, it would have become out of line. And I would have been like, well, I guess that's that. (laughs) Good enough. (laughs) You know. It might make my nose look smaller because there'll be more attention on the cool badass scar I got from mm-hmm. fucking um, fighting Bigfoot, Bigfoot as opposed to my giant fucking nose. Yeah, I didn't mean to say <laughs> yeah after that. <laughs> um. <laughs> um, 
It's Italian. It's fine. Anyways, I'm Brittany Matrino. I'm Martha Bartlett. And this is But First, Let's Talk Nerdy. Clink. Jesus fuck. Oh my god. All right, Martha. Cool. We're on episode 22. That's an even number. That means you start first. I start first. And uh, so Brittany got in my head about what I was going to do, oh, so I, I changed I my mind. To. She didn't mean to. She was I like, oh, hey, to. it's Dragon Con. Let's do something fun. And no, I literally was like, I don't know what I want to do yet, because the topic I thought about for last week just isn't very Dragon con enough. Like, it's like it's nerdy, but not like Dragon con since it's Dragon Con weekend. And then Martha was like, <gasps> Oh no! It's like I have nothing else to focus on, so I'm gonna hyper focus on this, and it's gonna be really stupid. But actually, it all ends up being okay because the topic that I picked for this week is uh, Mystery Science Theater 3000. Ah, oh, sweet! Fuck yeah! Kevin is going to enjoy yes, any of this. I hope I don't get anything fucking wrong, and I don't sound like it fucking Kevin's just going to send you a bunch of texts being like, you're wrong. Um, Actually, everything is fucking redlined. But yeah, so my sources for this week are Mystery Science Theater 3000 at 30, How a Cult TV Show Changed Pop Culture, 15 Fun Facts About Mystery Science Theater 3000 by Jennifer M. Wood, and Mystery Science Theater 3000, The Definitive Oral History of a TV Masterpiece by Brian Raftery. So, uh, Mystery Science Theater 3000, or MST3K, is an American comedy series for TV that was created by Joel Hodgson. It premiered on a Minnesota channel in 1988 and then was later moved over to what is now Comedy Central. There it aired for seven seasons until its cancellation in 1966. Nope, 1996. We went way back into the past. Then it got picked up by the Sci-Fi Channel for another three seasons through 1999. And then there was a short-lived revival that was crowdfunded that's on Netflix. Cool. So the boring shit is out of the way. So what's the whole deal with MST3K and why is it such a cult classic? Have you ever watched any? Yes, but it's been a very long long time. Yes. I watched two in preparation for this episode. There's one called Werewolf, where um, the people in it can't seem to pronounce werewolf the same way, like, more than once. So it's like, werewolf. And I'm like, I feel like you guys are inserting an H, but every time you put it in, (laughs) yeah, it's in a different fucking spot. Werewolf werewolf like every every fucking time it's different and it's just the worst and also the makeup is so fucking bad there's a weird skull it's dumb and then i watched the um santa versus the martians or whatever the fuck that one's called which is also like real bad yes i mean the martians are just like they did face paint on them, but they didn't do like green face paint, so it just looks like they're trying to paint themselves darker, so it looks really awkward and offensive. I know that's not what they were going for. Uh, It's just a big fucking nightmare. So, you know, that is what they're going for. So the very loose, very, very loose plot that uh, strings everything together here is we have two mad scientists who are testing the effects of terrible movies 
on people as torture and are trying their best to see if they can break people this way. So they take a janitor who is first uh, played by Joel, the show's creator, and then later on by Mike Nelson, the show's head writer, and put him on the Satellite of Love, which is a satellite that he lives on that lives. It's shaped like a dog bone, but it's like a... <laughs> it's like a dog bone with robotic shit put on it it's, that's in space for some reason. They the basically explain everything in the theme song so that they don't have to explain anything afterwards, <laughs> which is my fucking favorite thing I like it. ever. It's sort of like that's sort of what they do, like Gilligan's Island. Mm-hmm. They explain the whole story of why I love it on the yeah. island, and then you don't have any questions. I love Gilligan's Island. It's such a good idea. But yeah, in the the lyrics, it's, uh, he worked at Gizmonic Institute, just another face in a red jumpsuit. He did a good job cleaning up the place, but his bosses didn't like him, so they shot him into space. Which... Can you imagine if your boss like, (laughs) instead of firing you, they shoot you into fucking space? They're like, we're gonna test the effects of bad movie torture on you, (laughs) because we don't like you. And I'm like, what? Okay cool. My reaction would be to panic. Joel's reaction is to build some robots out of a bunch of nonsense that's there and uh, talk shit throughout the movies with them. And so a quote from him is it was all based on this simple idea that people say shit while they're watching movies, which obviously, yes. (laughs) Um, It was also inspired by the sci-fi drama um, Silent Running from 1972, in which the main character plays an outer space botanist who befriends a trio of robots. So Joel creates these three chatty robots to hang out with him in space so that he doesn't like lose his fucking mind and also so that he can talk to somebody during his movies because it's sad to talk during the movies when it's just yourself. Not that I know that from any sort of life experience. Um, so we have Crow who is uh, kind of a wise ass. He's influenced by Groucho Marx. Um, and he's always like kind of ready to fuck with authority. He's a gold colored puppet that's composed of a soap dish. eye cowl ping pong balls his eyes, a split plastic bowling pin mouth, a lacrosse face mask, and Tupperware. Which, you know, when these people created these things, they're like, what do we have in our garage? Literally, their budget was so (laughs) fucking low, it's ridiculous. What do I have in this Mm -hmm. basket that I've never looked in for the past 15 years in my garage? Yeah, I was going to say, I went into my garage and I went into, like, the eaves for some reason and I'm like, oh no, here's a (laughs) basket of things that I can spray paint gold and glue into a weird puppet robot. (laughs) Um, and then we have Tom Servo, who is uh, basically like a smarmy AM radio DJ. He thinks he's the fucking shit, and he thinks he's a ladies robot, but he's obviously not. He looks kind of like a chicken, but he is a red gumball machine for a head and a body. And then there's a weird coin bank that they took some parts out of, a bowl-shaped hovercraft skirt, which is actually a Halloween boo bowl. And uh, instead of legs, and his arms were a, like a weird Mr. Mooney doll. It's like all the most weird fucking shit that you could get around. And we spray painted it and glued it together, and that's good enough. Um, and then there was Gypsy, who was um, like kind of the heart of the 
place. She kind of ran everything. She didn't sit around and watch the movies with them, but she would come in every now and then. And most of the time she wasn't, she was kind of flighty because most of her brain is used to actually power the fucking ship. Gypsy's cute. And Gypsy was built out of a... <laughs> Gypsy's head is a century infant love seat. So it's a, it's a fucking baby seat. And then there's a bunch of weird nonsense that they built into her. Her lips are made of foam tubing that is sometimes a different color, so it looks like she's wearing lipstick. And her neck is just... Uh, she looks like a fucking weird vacuum that comes down every now and then. It's like, oh, hi, guys. Super cute. Adorable. So uh, they started making this show in Minnesota in 1988. And during the first episodes, it's not scripted at all. And they actually like just went in cold and just like went for it. Exactly. So they hadn't watched the movies at all. They hadn't done this or that. So like somebody had okayed the movies for it. And then they just went in and told jokes over it. And some of them are a super hit. And some of them are a big fucking miss because you know... Yes, As you know, you miss often. Yes, <laughs> there are frequent things, and sometimes you need to edit that shit out. And if I could script my jokes, mm, I probably would be doing a better job with them, or at least I would be landing a lot more of them. I don't think I could like script my jokes. I don't think I could deliver them without it being like obvious that it was scripted. Yeah, I think it would be very difficult. But these people are like. They're, comedians um, are good at that. I was going to say comedians. comedians. We are not. <laughs> no. But yeah, so eventually after a certain amount of episodes, they realized that having some jokes at the ready would be a lot better. So they um, ended up scripting it. Um, so when they started out, the budget and the production on it was fucking tiny as well. Basically, you'd get like $25 an episode to make your fucking shit. Uh, Joel would get a little bit more because he would need shit for props. But it's it's like $25, $30 an episode. And yeah, this is in the 80s, late 80s, early 90s. But still, like... And it's still not anything yeah. for an episode. It's ridiculous. It was incredibly low, low, low budget. And um, they were like... <laughs> and that's like, why things oh. are made out of whatever they found in their garage. Mm-hmm. So they... They were like, I really hope somebody's fucking watching because this is ridiculous. And then they put up a phone number so that people could call, uh, so the fans could call in. And after they did that, they realized that they had something special. So it was allowed to say something special because when Comedy Central asked them to join their network, they were like, hey, you guys should all relocate to New York. And everybody was like, mm, you're, everything's really small there and we have to pay a lot more and we don't want to move and our whole families are there and this is dumb. So we're actually going to stay in Minnesota. And the show got to grow because pretty much nobody wanted to come out to Minnesota. And we're like, well, we're not going to come all the way fucking out there to edit your shit. So you do your thing and we'll figure out our nonsense. So when we're looking at movies, what are you fucking looking for? Because there's a ton of bad movies out there, but you have to do it within a certain parameters. So their parameters were like, you couldn't be God awful in, in terms of sound and picture, even though there were a lot of them that were borderline in that regard. The werewolf one that I watched last night, they were like, Oh, I'm really glad that they, they mic'd the boots in the hallway instead of the people. And I literally threw my head back so hard that I whacked it on the back of the wall. 
Like a big fucking dickhead. So cool. Thanks, guys. Now I have, I don't have bruised, but I could. You know, if I bruised like that. Thanks, guys. We almost had a hole in our wall. We almost had a hole in our wall. Which doesn't matter because we're not getting our deposit back. We are not getting our deposit back. We wouldn't get our deposit back just by how they gave us the apartment. (laughs) Too many things were super fucked up. And then they didn't want to do a lot of them that were really, like, talky because there's not any room for fucking jokes. And then they couldn't do anything that was super violent or NC-17 things. So um, one of the writers, Mike Nelson, was like, you'd get, like, a box of gory Italian horror movies where there were just nuns eating each other. (laughs) And we'd just go, we can pretty much disqualify that. One of the like, great things about MST3K is that their riffs were never super negative either. Like, they talked a lot of shit, but it was never too much shit. You know, it never crossed the line and made people feel bad. It's They were the audience's companions, so they had to... Um, they were like, you probably don't want to spend a ton of time around assholes, even if they can be funny. It's not sustainable, basically. So, and they had respect for the movies because they had to work with them. But once they agreed to do a movie, once they got the rights to it, they never abandoned it, no matter how fucking painful it could be. Um, so they would just incorporate the fact that they just wanted to die while they were watching this movie into the riffing. And that would help them get through it. Apparently the writing room was basically, it was a bunch of fucking people yelling at the TV and like them pausing and going through and yelling out all of their jokes. And this poor fucking typist that was like, how fast can I type all these jokes? Oh my God, I'm missing things. They'd stop on a frame and like people would make 10 fucking jokes and they'd just pick one. And then they were making crazy, weird, deep references. And this is pre-internet, so you couldn't like be like, oh, this thing happened. I'm going to Google it so that I can make an appropriate joke. No, it's just all like off the top of your shit. Off the top of your head shit. (laughs) (laughs) Um, One of the quotes from Mike Nelson. So in one movie, there was a Japanese girl running and Trace said, look, she stole Mike's keyboard. And this was based off a girlfriend that I had who stole my keyboard and flew it over to Japan. And that was officially the most obscure joke that we ever made. (laughs) They're like, well, we'll keep it in there because it's fucking stupid and ridiculous. It's so good. So in 1993, um, the MST3K people get some unwelcome news when uh, Joel decided that he was going to leave the Satellite of Love and the series for good. Um, due to creative differences, everybody's mad about it. Wah, wah, wah. Uh, how they explained this on the show was Gypsy overheard the mad scientist talking about killing somebody. Turns out they were actually talking about killing Mike because Mike was the janitor and they really hated him. But she thought that they were talking about Joel, so she helped Joel escape. And then they were like, well, I guess we'll just use him as our new human test subject. That's fine. Yeah, when they were trying to figure out how to recast this, because how do you recast something where it's just the creator and some puppets? Jesus. Um, They brought people in and auditioned them, and everybody was like, this is weird. I don't want to write my fucking jokes for this person. And then Mike came in, who had been already writing the jokes, and had good chemistry with with everybody else, and they were like, okay, well... It's not a huge change. It's just another 
white dude from the Midwest who is pretty chill and everything. So this, this works. It sticks with the formula really closely. And since Joel's character had created the robots, he'd always kind of been kind of parental to them. But Mike was kind of like their bro. Mm-hmm. Mike was kind of the one who would throw down with them and like party and everybody would be the same amount of dumb asshole. Most people who have watched them have a preference between the two. I'm a Mike person, but I don't have a problem with Joel. I just prefer Mike. One of the quotes from Trace Bolio, who played Tom Servo, was uh, the on-screen persona was like a pizza restaurant manager who's only like a couple months older than the staff is. I'm like, yeah, that's exactly fucking what it is. Uh, So in 1996, uh, Comedy Central canceled the show because it wasn't quite where they were going, which was a mistake in my humble and correct opinion. And then viewers put pen to paper and they did a massive ladder writing campaign to save the series and Comedy Central didn't change their mind, but Sci-Fi were like, mm, okay, we'll take that over. So they moved over to Sci-Fi, but as they moved over to Sci-Fi, they were like, you have to do more specifically like hard Sci-Fi movies. And there were some things where they were like, oh, we want to exercise our creative freedom. And they were like, mm, you can't use this word or that word. And it was stupid. Nobody's throwing around anything really genuinely bad. This is just some stupid dumb shit. You do realize they are basically... We're making fun of something. Making fun of something, which means there's going to be We're going to call somebody an idiot. A putz. Jesus fuck. Yeah, so um, they were picked up by... Sci-fi back before it decided to turn it into wise. just after Sci-fi. Sci-fi. See, that's why they didn't want to mm-hmm. do They got so bad once they did that. They were like, we don't understand ourselves at all. And we're going to push that not understanding on everybody else who's on the network at the time, <laughs> which is great. Cool. Missing for me. Yeah. So basically, they were giving a lot of notes and they were insisting on a story arc. And it's like, what the fuck? It's a fucking puppet show where they make fun of movies. We don't need a story arc here. Don't put that yeah. fucking shit on here. Uh, so in 1999, after 11 years and two hosts and 198 episodes, Mystery Science Theater 3000 was canceled for good. Later on, so they did have a revival in, I think it was like 2017 or 18. I have that written down. In I remember, yeah, I remember that. Yeah, um, which was pretty good and it's fun. And it's a lot of like the people who, A, the people who were re- originally involved in it are still involved. But um, most of the actors are new and it's all the actors who like really loved um, MST3K. But it's. It's not, like, hitting at that exact time where the internet is blowing up, where we're just getting to things being, like, weird and memes Mm -hmm. and people just deciding to, like, live tweet something that's shitty. Like, this is something that, yeah, it kind of, like, expanded our whole horizon Mm -hmm. and made us much more sarcastic dickheads, which I'm a big fan of, so it worked for me. So, some other fun facts about the things. Mystery Science Theater 3000, when they first named it, there were a bunch of people, because it was the end of the 80s, that were naming things like 2000, because 2000 was going to be a big fucking deal. And Joel was like, what if we name it 3000? Because that's stupid and different. And everybody will be like, what? That's why. 
That's the exact reason why. Because it's dumb. And then, so there was one of the directors of the movies that they did, Rick Sloan, who directed Hot Goblins, who was like, you improved the film dramatically. It was barely watchable in its original version. And he really enjoyed most of the jokes. And then they did like a weird fake interview with the director at the end, which is like constantly quoted on the internet. And because of this, they were able to make fucking Hobgoblins 2 in 2009. <laughs> That's hilarious. Yep. When the new episodes of Mystery Science Theater 3000 stopped being produced, uh, the original cast kept riffing. In 2006, they introduced a web series called Riff Tracks, which allows customers to download a commentary that syncs to tracks with a movie. So, like, you can watch the Riff Tracks of fucking Twilight or things like that. You just download it, you press play at the exact time, and it's just them talking over it. It's good fucking shit. We should do that. We should absolutely do that. (laughs) And I would 1,000% pay for any of that nonsense. Sounds great. Yes. So uh, the show's original community of fans bonded through the internet because they got on right when the fucking internet was starting. They also had a um, fan mail thing where you could mail things in and you could mail in your... <laughs> Back in the day when you had to mail shit into the Fucking no. And then they started, like, people started live tweeting things. There used to be a thing with fan fiction where people would take really bad fan fiction and just use the like characters in it to MST3K it. And it was fucking good. There were some that were killer. It's like, ooh, no, this is the worst smut and this person doesn't understand how bodies work. (laughs) And that's really just the good shit. And then here's uh, some descriptions of the movies that they have actually done. Just a couple. So, Santa Claus Conquers the Martians. It's right up your alley. Um, There's a typo in the credits that is (laughs) costume designer, so it's costume but with a U instead of an O. Um, There's a Santa abduction story, and then the polar bear looks like Chuck E. Cheese grade. Um, Werewolf, which, as Crow says, the star power (laughs) consists of Charlie Sheen's uncle. (laughs) Um, Enjoy the actor's fluid notion of how to pronounce the title monster, which frankly looks more like a gorilla than a wolf. And I can say, because I watched it last night, sometimes he looks like a bear, sometimes he looks like a wolf, sometimes he's just a person where they just glued some fucking hair on it. Literally every time they put this guy on, he looks like a different makeup artist did it. But none of them have ever seen a werewolf in a picture, ever. So it's a fucking nightmare. And like I said, werewolf... You don't have too much internet at the time here, but you do have libraries, right? (laughs) Oh, Jesus, fuck. Um, Space Mutiny, which is a rough galactic ride complete with a Galactica knockoff, a soundtrack that conjures monk chants, and a beefier Zap Brannigan type whom Mike and the bots have endless names for. And then the final sacrifice, which is a wimpy kid and a drifter with hockey hair, fight a mysterious cult in this road movie directed by Tajardis Greedinus, which... Crow said was that's that's an anagram for direct to video. But yeah, so um I feel like after MS33K everything got a lot more like we're gonna roast the fuck out of everything and if you do a bad job we're gonna enjoy it. Yes. Ugh, beautiful. Who doesn't like some bad horror? Oh my god. Oh my god, so so much. 
Hey everyone, this is Carrie the Metal Geek, and I would like to invite you to hang out with myself and my fellow Metal Geeks as we have all kinds of discussions about heavy metal, films and TV shows, video games, theme parks, comic books, and whatever else is tickling our geeks. Please visit our website at MetalGeeksPodcast.com and follow us on all the social medias including Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at MetalGeeks. We are also proud members of ESO Network, so you can check everything out at esonetwork.com. Keep it metal, keep it geeky, stay safe, and see you on the next episode. My turn. Your turn. This is something that's going to be near and dear to our hearts for Dragon Con. I I slapped my actual heart. (laughs) It's it's in there, guys. That's how you. (laughs) Shit. Oh, no. That was so good. See, this is why we waited, because I wouldn't have been able to laugh like this if we did this, this is last true. week. Yeah. It's funny about my nose. It really hurts. <laughs> okay. Fuck. Alright, so, I am doing the history of S.H.I.E.L.D. Oh! Yeah! So, for those of you who don't know, it is a Dragon Con tradition for us to dress up as S.H.I.E.L.D. agents. Every Sunday yes, night. every Sunday night. It used to be a really big thing, and it slowed down a little bit, but me and Martha and listener Jess tend to always still wear our S.H.I.E.L.D. suits. I'm always Abigail Brand. I'm always Victoria Hand. And then Jess dresses up as Sharon Carter, who I did on episode one. Sharon Carter, I will be bringing you a Tupperware with... Red Skull in it next time. <laughs> <laughs> this is how you get rid of Red Skull. You put him in a Tupperware. <laughs> Don't make him big, Sharon Carter. So I wanted that. So when I was like, what should I do? I was thinking Electra, but um, Electra's yeah, too. Yeah, and she's very. I realized I was like, oh, I could look at her multiple times, and then I was like, I've done her three times at Dragon Con, including my first Dragon Con, but. Oh. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, uh, I don't think it was my first Dragon Con that I did Shield. I can't remember if we went to the Hydra party. The Back first when there was year. a Hydra party, yeah. But um, the second year, I think we knew about it and we made outfits for it. And then Tally had her Madam Mask outfit, and she just didn't wear the white part over it, and she turned the zipper around and was like, "I'm also Shield." I was like, <laughs> Fuck yes. yeah. Yes, this is exactly yeah. how I want to do things. And sometimes it's really big, and then mm-hmm. sometimes it's smaller, but we always... And then... Doesn't matter. Our friend Rich tends to be Nick Fury, too, yeah. so it ends up all being a great a great time. It's, it's what we love to do. Why would you like to talk to every head bitch in charge? Basically. We all walk around like, don't fuck... And people will literally move the fuck out of the way for us, mm-hmm. which is what I always want, but it's real good with the fucking shit. No, you're fucking shit. Yeah, because we're all head bitches. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's great, and they're so comfortable. It's, it's basically like footy pajamas, yeah. but it looks really good. It's so fucking comfortable. Alright, so, shield. 
my sources, Marvel.com, Wikipedia, and then I got a source off of EntertainmentWeekly.com. What? <laughs> right? S.H.I.E.L.D. is a fictional espionage special law enforcement and counterterrorism agency appearing in the Marvel comics. That's so many adjectives, right? but also, but yes. so badass. All of them are true. <laughs> it's just like, we're just going to throw another adjective in there just in case. <laughs> Created by our good buddies, Stanley and uh, Jack Kirby, mm-hmm. and it first appeared in Dream Stream. Team. The Dream Team, seriously. Um, I feel like I mention them every single time I talk about a fucking Marvel character. Yeah. It first got brought in in Strange Tales number 135, which debuted August 1965. Oh, so old. You know, right? Oh. And it often deals with paranormal and superhuman threats. So the acronym originally stood for Supreme Headquarters <laughs> International Espionage and Law Enforcement Division, but was changed in 1991 to Strategic Hazard Intervention Espionage Logistics Directorate. In the MCU it, um, and other animated and live action versions, the acronym stands for Strategic. Strategic Homeland <laughs> Intervention Enforcement and Logistics Division. Yay, Marvel, and all their fucking damn acronyms. <laughs> Marvel has a hard on for acronyms yes. at all times, at forever. Motherfucking times. Okay. My favorite is Hammer, where <laughs> our good friend who has the worst hair, Norman Osborn, <laughs> tells Victoria Hand, he was like, it's Hammer because we're hitting Shield. Come up with something. And she's like, <laughs> Oh, this is my job. <laughs> oh, motherfuckers. Okay. Um, show can be found in all different medias, movies, video games, even has its own TV show, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. But today we're going to be talking about where it started and the history of S.H.I.E.L.D. in Marvel Comics. Yeah. Hi. Yeah. <laughs> I fucking love S.H.I.E.L.D. so much. Ugh. It's not usually affili- affiliated <laughs> with any one nation. S.H.I.E.L.D. has generally been portrayed as an organization which works for the United Nations, though it is a sh- uh, like a shadowy corner of the United Nations with so top clearance having to go. and has an unlim- uh, apparently limitless budget, so they can basically <laughs> do whatever the fuck mm-hmm. they want. I say generally because the history is a bit inconsistent in Marvel's rebooted Ultimate Universe. Shield is specifically Ugh. an American, I know you, specifically an American operation, and then in the cinematic universe, the MCU, um, it has this World Security Council, but that does seem to still appear to just be that shadowy version of the UN. Nonetheless. Mm-hmm. Gotta love that Ultimates immediately was like, "How can I make this the worst version? Seriously, we'll yeah. just make them American." Mm-hmm. Cool, thanks, Ultimates. And they were like, we're going to kill everybody you love and try to give you PTSD the in, like, four fucking good minutes. in the Ultimates Miles. was, like, I was going to say, part of Spider-Man. Yep. That's a part of Spider-Man. Yeah. Everything I else say can fucking stop my dick. And I would say, um, Aunt May. Ultimate yeah. Aunt May is a fucking yeah. boss. Part of Spider-Man. <laughs> That's about it. Yep. Everything else needs so to never be talked about depressing. again. Seriously. They're like, the gritty reboot. And I'm like, no one no. wanted this. No one wanted it, ever. 
Shield is basically everywhere. Uh, perhaps not surprising, given that it's an organization that operates out of a helicarrier, which is a giant floating base, which per- works perfectly, except for on those rare occasions where it almost crashes into a major city. It's fine, except it's okay. for those times. <laughs> but especially since the organi- organization's return to prominence in the late 90s, it has usually been presented as an organization at the forefront of information technology and that omniscient and limitless budget that it seems to have. That's what I want. Right? Goals. <laughs> it even seems to have different branches. There is like a UK branch specifically, and then there are branches that aren't even earthbound. Yeah. One that I won't get into today, but will 100% be talked about in a labor topic, such as uh, SWORD, SWORD, which is another acronym, and it's basically the space branch. Sometimes. And my favorite branch because of Abigail Brand. But boss, we will, boss, boss, we will boss, get into boss. that another day because she's boss ass bitch. Love her so much. She belongs to an entire... Ooh. So, like most groups of comic books, in this, uh, the team members are constantly changing. Um, some notable members of S.H.I.E.L.D., of course, are Nick Fury, who is the main director you always think about. Mm-hmm. Steve Rogers, who is the current director. Huh. Sharon Carter, who has been a director. Spider-Woman, mm-hmm. Jessica Drew. Maria Hill, who's been the director many times. Um, Alfonso Mac McKenzie, Black Widow, Natasha Romanoff, uh, Iron Man, Tony Stark, who's also been the director, Jimmy Woo, Melinda May, Bobby Morse, and so many more. Mm-hmm. Contessa Valentino, like, yep, you know, we would, this, I could just sit here for an hour <laughs> talking about all of the S.H.I.E.L.D. agents. Yeah. Also, so, there's a bunch of them that they just did life model decoys of, and yep. that's almost yes. the same thing. Yes. So where did S.H.I.E.L.D. come from and how did it start? S.H.I.E.L.D.'s introduction in Strange Tales features Nick Fury, Agent of S.H.I.E.L.D. It all occurred during a trend for action series about secret international intelligent agencies with catchy acronyms. So this was like a big trend in our history, right? Stan Lee uh, stated in a 2014 interview, he based it off a television show at the time called The Man from UNCLE, and yep. UNCLE was an acronym. I've never seen it or know no. anything about it. But that's what actually S.H.I.E.L.D. was based off of. That's awesome! So, Colonel Fury, or Nick Fury, who is initially the lead character of Marvel's World War II series, Sergeant Fury and his Howling Commandos, yeah! was reimaged as a slightly older character with an eye patch and appointed head of the organization. So, <laughs> you were going to say appointed something else. Appointed head. He just has appointed head. <laughs> He's just pointy on top. He's a cone head. <laughs> It's like, I can't work. I haven't seen that movie in a billion <laughs> years. And appointed to the head of the organization, blah, blah, blah. Some characters from Sergeant Fury's series reappear with Agent Shield, most notably Timothy Dum Dum Dugan. Uh, its most persistent enemy is Hydra, a criminal organization founded after some of the retcon that happened Not by Baron Wolfgang von Strucker. And funny enough, even though Hydra is normally spelled in all caps mm-hmm. and fucking Marvel is obsessed with acronyms, Hydra is not an acronym. Oh, you're right. Oh, shit. Mm -hmm. They probably were like, we'll definitely come up with an acronym at some point. And then they literally never did. Anyways, Tony Stark was actually a founder of S.H.I.E.L.D. Yes. And I guess that makes sense because 
because in the MCU they just use Howard because obviously it comics don't have any fucking everything is time. So yeah, time comics don't have any actual time. So Tony Stark was a founder of Shield, and he founded it to combat tyranny and crime across Earth in response to World War II terrorist groups like Hydra. Tyranny. What did I say? Tyranny. Oh. I'm just thinking Tyra Banks because she's a. T- <laughs> Jesus, you're killing it today. <laughs> this is terrible. I have to go back and re-record my half. <laughs> I don't know if you remember this, but I'm funny. I don't know if that's true. I don't know. I've got you laughing really hard on multiple occasions. That's today. true. But also, have you met me? I laugh a lot. But also, you are very funny. I'm really fucking funny. I have a good taste in humor, and it's just that I am very happy to laugh. So you're time. easily amused. Yes. <laughs> All right. So, as we know, because I flapped the back of my head on my fucking wall and probably woke somebody up at fucking two in the morning while I was trying to watch this werewolf movie because they were like, I can't believe that they mic'd the boots and not anything else. And I was like, <laughs> <laughs> Um, Stark and his company, Stark Industries, often provided advanced weaponry and combat equipment for the agency. This also is probably where a lot of that money that just is indisposable comes from, because Stark just has a shit ton of fucking money. Turns out when you sell weapons, boop, boop, boop. <laughs> yep. Dot, and dot, then dot. he even ends up bringing in the mutant inventive Forge and Reed Richards. I love Forge. Hey, Mr. Fantastic for those. Reed Richards can suck a dick. He has money too, though, right? Yes, I think so. Yeah. Mm. No, fucking. I don't cares. know or care. Because we don't care about you, Reed Richards. But he brings them in to, all help, uh, to help design S.H.I.E.L.D.'s first helicarrier. All right, so for those of you who don't know, uh, just in case, the helicarrier is a massive aircraft carrier that supports thousands of personnel and sustains flight at high altitudes with its anti-gravity vortex beam. Hmm. Yep, comic shit. The can carry out its anti-terrorism goals without being detected. Gotta love comic science. Right? In the fucking theme to Mystery Science Theater... Um, they say, if you're worrying how he eats and breathes and other science facts, something about it's just a TV show, you should really just relax. <laughs> like, beautiful. Yeah. Call me yeah. out like that. <laughs> uh, okay, so... Hydra did destroy the first Calicarrier, shocking no one, but Stark quickly replaced it. That also shocks no one. And since then, <laughs> S.H.I.E.L.D. has had a lot, at least one vessel in service through most of its history. <laughs> it's like, it's fine, mice. It's fine. Calicarrier number two. <laughs> I'm Tony Stark. I just bought Area 51 because I was bored. <laughs> I have no words anymore. What a fucking bitch. <laughs> he sucks. Anyway, Don't give me too much money because I might buy Area 51 just to be a bitch. That sounds really oh, funny. I would totally buy Area 51. It's funny. Yeah. 
Inventors and technicians at Stark Industries have created all sorts of fun and advanced combat equipment for S.H.I.E.L.D. forces beyond the massive and impressive helicarrier. There has been a vortex beam, uh, base flying cars, bulletproof and flameproof uniforms, laser pistols, and a variety of monitoring equipment, spy satellites, jetpacks, teleportation technology, and mandroid battle armor. Mandroid. Some of it, I was like, James Bond. Big man. And then they were like, Mandroid Battle Armor, and I was like, not so James <laughs> I was also watching James Bond while I was working Excuse there. me while I put on my Mandroid Battle Armor. <laughs> it has a little, like, bow tie for no reason. I'm like, one of the arms just does a shaker. <laughs> I'm like, cool. That's actually pretty baller. <laughs> I'm here for that shit. <laughs> One of S.H.I.E.L.D.'s most significant achievements was its invention of life model. Yeah! Can't talk about S.H.I.E.L.D. without <laughs> talking about these lifelike androids. Sorry, I immediately brought that up a while back. It's fine. <laughs> the terrorist group, Hydra, saw the LMDs as an opportunity to infiltrate S.H.I.E.L.D., so they used them to weave decoys and double agents into the fabric of the entire organizational structure. Oh, and it worked choices. really well. Oh, no! <laughs> yeah, it's a problem. It's a reoccurring problem in S.H.I.E.L.D. Well, okay. our spies are spies! <laughs> <laughs> so... Tony Stark created S.H.I.E.L.D. as a law enforcement agency that would protect Earth and its people, but all these threats especially all these fucking decoys and hmm. double agents and basically sought out to destroy this specific purpose. As Stark built up the organization with advanced weaponry designed by Stark Industries, the terrorist group Hydra planted a life model decoy called the Deltite? Yeah. Deltite sounds good to I mean, me. that's how it's spelled. Yeah. <laughs> uh, deep within the agency. In an attempt to steal the Infinity Formula, Hydra replaced the S.H.I.E.L.D. Executive Council and met as many agents as they could with like model decoys. Hydra also brain brainwashed. <laughs> <laughs> they brained. They brained a bunch of people. They lobotomized the people. That's what I think if you're going to say. I feel like that's people. de-braining people. Oh, that's fair. <laughs> so Hydra also brainwashed a lot of agents, which I did touch upon in episode one with the many times that it happened to poor Sharon Carter. Yeah, Jesus. Poor Sharon. <laughs> These events caused constant conflict as S.H.I.E.L.D. was not the only um, was not only protecting others, but also itself due to the influx of double agents. <laughs> yeah. They were like, you know what would be cool if we created the perfect double agent and then they got fucked over by it. <laughs> Basically. <laughs> so, uh, apparently Nick Fury was not actually the first one to be appointed the head of S.H.I.E.L.D. when it was founded. Mm-hmm. Tony Stark vouched for Colonel Nick Fury, who is the World War II veteran, but the council decided on Colonel Rick Stoner <laughs> but I'm to lead instead. He trained the first agency's operatives and stopped the culprits that destroyed the first helicarrier. In his investigation, he found Stark Industries technicians Jacob Fury, who is Nick Fury's brother, to be a Hydra double agent, also serving the Roxxon Oil Corporation. Mm. But before he could share this information, Hydra killed him. Dead brother bummer. <laughs> <laughs> wah, wah, wah. <laughs> 
So Nick Fury was then appointed as the agency's new director, and to kick off his nice little rule here, he brought down Arnold Brown, assuming that Brown was the head of the group in Hydra. Hydra, as well as their allied organization of AIM, AIM. is an acronym in the Secret Empire. What the fuck does AIM yeah. stand for? I, I know it's an acronym, I but I can't remember. I care. Um... Evil. No, just kidding. <laughs> Asshats in. They're just Trump supporters. Did you hear me finish it? Asshats in America. Oh, Trump supporters. I didn't hear the America. You got too excited about just the asshats. Honestly, asshats was enough for me. <laughs> but shit, it got better and worse. You guys all have to wear a weird thing on your head, like every AIM person, like a beekeeper, but to keep yourself away from normal people. Oh, fuck. All right, so as director, Fury brought in his wartime comrades, Dum Dum Dugan, Eve Jones, and Eric Koenig. Yeah, I got nothing for it. Yeah. Gabe Jones, though. Gabe Jones, we got that one. <laughs> um, and the organization, so also, he brought them in. I didn't, I'm pretty sure Gabe Jones dated Peggy for a hot sec. Yeah, maybe. Remember when Captain actually would know who Peggy was? Oh, I'm gonna throw my entire life away for this because I'm a big fucking dum dum. Cool, cool. But you're not dum dum Dugan, so stop taking his name. Don't. Take his name in vain. You can't wear a mustache like he can. No. So. You, you know, Chris Evans, you tried and it didn't work. <laughs> the Chris Evans that made sure of that. comes in right, right in the clutch. <laughs> uh, but yeah, fuck. Don't, don't get a mustache if you don't have a beard. It's really bad, bad choice for you, Chris Evans. Yeah, what the fuck? Um, <laughs> I think Chris Evans is well aware that a mustache doesn't work for him. If you're gonna do it, I guess wear a bowler too, so that you also are committing to the asshole look. You're like, I just look like a fucking Chris tool. Evans, all or nothing. So either have a full face or or nothing on your face. Yeah, oh, Chris Evans in a beard. Chris Evans, almost any time except in that mustache. <laughs> True. Uh, our mention and we didn't have to squish it in at No, the I know. I slid it right in so perfectly. It was really nice. It was so good. Because mm-hmm. Chris Evans is always on my mind. He's ready to... Always on my mind. <laughs> Fuck. <laughs> All right. So we brought in those people to oversee training of new agents and setting some up as sleepers whose identities were kept secret even from the council. Uh, one agent was Barbara Morris, a.k.a. Bobby. Love her. Oh. Love my Mockingbird girl. She's a babe. She's a fucking hot mess babe that I love oh, her yeah. so much. Who masked herself as both the Huntress and Mockingbird to expose corruption within S.H.I.E.L.D. ranks. And she was super committed and it actually made Fury like be like, wow, I am going to clean up this agency because people like you are fucking baller. Awesome. Do you think she would be comparative to actually Huntress in the DC universe? Maybe. Okay. Yeah. I mean, there's definitely similarities. It's just different to think because when I do think of Bobby, she is very um, 
shield. So it was like she's more government, and then obviously Helena is more like depending on her weird backstory, weird backstory, or she's in the mob. Yes, fam, the mob, mob, fam, mob, (laughs) ma'am, mob, ma'am. Oh shit! We just got a bunch of goats, and they're (laughs) me. During Fury's tenure, S.H.I.E.L.D. experimented with superhuman operatives called the Super Agents. The first team included Blue Streak, Marvel Man, and Texas Twister, and Bam. That's why I just said Super Agents in that voice. Do you want me to read those again? What was the last name? Blue Streak. Yep. Marvel Man. Yep. Texas Twister. Mm -hmm. And Bam. Okay, that's what I thought you said, and then I was like, I don't know if that's right. Oh, but guess what? Blue Streak and Bam, they were double agents. <gasps> Bitches! So, they found that out, and they disbanded the group, mm-hmm. because there's fucking double agents everywhere in If half of your people are double agents, maybe your group should have not fucking formed in the first place. <laughs> How do you have this much money? Why did you do this? To yourselves, you're like, let's build a perfect double agent, and then we'll put a thousand of them in our fucking group with us, and then we'll all be sad when all of our friends are not actually friends. And you're like, okay, my only friend at S.H.I.E.L.D. is my fucking potted plant. <laughs> awesome! <laughs> that I killed, because I, I forgot say, to water. He's a succulent, so thankfully I'm okay. <laughs> oh, shit. So, Fury did eventually triumph over all of the organizations, all three of them that I mentioned earlier, uh, when he killed Hydra's true leader, Baron Strucker, and destroyed their main base on Hydra Island. <laughs> that was a thing. <laughs> Hydra, however, find a way to survive the fallout, and Fury did too as he started taking the Infinity Formula to keep himself youthful. Yep, Hydra Island. Oh my god, was it shaped like a Hydra thingy? It probably wasn't, but probably like... Probably not, but I wish it was. Fury started taking the Infinity Formula, which keeps himself young, and in the end, the effort was all for nothing since Hydra had already infiltrated S.H.I.E.L.D. Executive Council anyways. Pop, pop. And since this is comics, death never really lasts long here, and Hydra would end up later reviving um, Baron Strucker... To help him in a devastating attack on S.H.I.E.L.D. Central, as S.H.I.E.L.D. struggled to regain their footing, Hydra took advantage by brainwashing G.W. Bridge to create a new team of super agents, which included Knockabout, Cyborg, which you should see how they spell Cyborg. No! <laughs> and P.S.I. Yep. What was the last one? Violence. Ugh. They were all eventually either found out and stopped or killed, you know. I think I would fight somebody named Violence just because. I would be like, okay, well, now we have to fight because you're a fucking dum-dum. I think I'd want to take out Cyborg because of how we spell this name. Yeah, fuck. (laughs) He was like, I'm Cyborg. I'd be like, okay, cool. He'd be like, it's with a P. And I'm fire with a PH. (laughs) And a Y. (laughs) P-H-Y-R. That's it. (laughs) <laughs> I don't think I want to die right now. That makes me want to jump off our balcony and we're only two stories up. Uh, yeah, that won't do it. Ugh, fuck. 
Luna, like just eat my eat. Just eat me. You have to die first. I don't think she's gonna eat a live thing. Too much work. Have you seen her? <laughs> she. <laughs> if it's not incredibly dead, she's not going for it. What if I just lay in front of her and pretend? What if you, you would have to? It, so if you had an open wound, maybe. So, despite all these setbacks with the super agents, Fury is still encouraged to open relations with Earth's superhuman community, notably with his World War II ally, Captain America, who has since led many S.H.I.E.L.D. operations himself. Yeah, Steve Rogers. An actual factual S.H.I.E.L.D. for a little while. Not yet. Oh, yeah, no, it was way later. Yeah, it's like current. When he was old? He was old for a little while when he was doing it. Yeah. For some... Sharon's old. Is Sharon old old or is she like medium old? She's like 60s Okay. He was like 80s old for like a fucking minute. No, because she she got like transported into that dimension. I remember. She came back. Because I was really hyped about. She's like literally old in the comics. Like dark, like white hair and old. Like she's drawn older. Like she's probably in her 70s older. That's baller. Yeah. And her and Steve are still together. That's even more baller. Yeah. Good for you guys. Yep. Get some Sharon. Yeah. Even though he made Red Skull so big. Instead <laughs> of making him in a Tupperware. Look, she just lost her baby and Steve. She's confused. <laughs> you know what would be good to make this way worse? <laughs> <laughs> now you all know how I'm feeling. <laughs> Red Skull is giant. Fuck you guys. Uh, don't get stepped on by a giant Nazi. Like, terribly disfigured Nazi. <laughs> okay, so S.H.I.E.L.D. has often assisted different superhero groups, but circumstances occasionally pitted them against one another. Uh, S.H.I.E.L.D.'s duties to international security sometimes outweighed personal friendships. The superhero Daniel uh, Moonstar, Danny, and then Hercules, Captain Pride, Pride, who is Kitty, and Skits, uh, who I still don't know who that is. Um, Sounds like a take off on me. Skits. I know. That's kind of what I keep wanting to say, but it's, yeah. it's just S-K-I-D-S. Skits. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, and I don't care. Each serve temporary teams as S.H.I.E.L.D. agents, while Dr. Leonard Sampson often provided psychiatric support to yeah. Quarter Main in efforts in tracking the Hulk. Doc Sampson, the therapist of the Marvel Universe, who probably wants to throw himself off the bridge off that's fair. All the time, because everybody in Marvel is super fucked up. He has green hair and he wears a lightning bolt shirt and then just jeans. I mean, I would not try to dress if those were my clients. Absolutely fucking not. I'd be like, I'm sitting on the couch. <laughs> Y'all can say wherever the fuck you want, but I need to I am laughing while you Sorry, I'm writing a bunch of nonsense about you being Tony Stark is a fucking bitch. <laughs> Good Lord Polaris, what happened to your backstory? Wanda, <laughs> uh, Wanda. It's just like, it says Wanda at the top, and it's just like a lot of like terrifying drawings of, like, the end of the world. And, like, somehow he pulled some red ink in there because you know that's not all black ink or blue. It's like, this is important. true. 
is the feeling. Just like terrifying faces in the background. <laughs> Fuck. Okay, we're not going to go too deep into that because we can get depressing. Anyways. It's a little interesting. Mm-hmm. So while Nick Fury served as S.H.I.E.L.D.'s director for many years as the Infinity Corps... Uh, formed as the Infinity Formula, kept him young. There were some instances where he had to go into hiding or other directors joined the fold. One of these instances included when he discovered Latveria's president, Lucia von Bardas, was funding criminals in, on U.S. soil. Once he exposed Bardas against S.H.I.E.L.D.'s authority, he was stripped of his director title and went into hiding. During this period, Maria took over as director and forced the Superhuman Registration Act, Ugh. which then instigated the superhero civil war. Remember when I mentioned how Maria here really fucked up as director? and Sharon had to take over. You My did. guess is this is what they were talking about. The Civil War ended really, 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 really bad. Don't and the Superhero Registration Act was really, 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 really bad. Don't be against Cap. Yeah. So Our that was Maria. Room. Maria didn't do so great then. What are you doing? Maria, I love you. I love Not you so great there. 90% of yeah. the time, but this was a bad choice. Bad choice. And then Tony Stark took over again as director, uh, but during his leadership, uh, ship, during his, <laughs> during his leadership, during his leadership, shape shifting aliens known as Skrulls oh, infiltrated shield. <laughs> during his leadership, shape ship. Yeah, there's ship, a ship, lot ship, of ship, 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 ship going on. There. Okay, continue. I'm sorry. Um, scrolls. But scrolls infiltrated Shield, and they re- replaced Dum Dum Dugan with one of their own. And then the Scrolls launched an invasion on Earth, assaulting Stark technology and leaving Shield and most of the planet unguarded. So, although Earth's heroes ultimately did end up beating the Scrolls, Shield was crippled and viewed as a liability. The U.S. president recommended Norman Osborn. Uh, as the next director, and he renamed it Hammer <laughs> during his time as director, which was like, I don't know what it stands Victoria for. Victoria Hand, can Name you make this. something up? And she was like, oh no, oh no, I know you gave me several large guns, but this is not worth it. <laughs> I have to use so many fucking thesauruses. <laughs> Mm-hmm. All right, so uh, during his time as director, Osborne built a prototype <laughs> helicarrier known as Prometheus. Of course he did. Of course he was like, I made my own and I named it after my own thing. Of course Because I'm did. a fucking douchebag. That's bag. who he the fuck is. But he was ultimately unmasked as a supervillain. Green Goblin. Because mm. he's fucking crazy. Yep. He's a fucking crazy person. Very no crazy. No matter how many times he's like, I'm crazy. Fuck crazy. They're like, here, have more power. But you're still, he's still crazy. So I know you're a rich person, so I know that your crazy is different than other people's No! Crazy. No. It's no, not actually, it's actually worse. You're a horrible, horrible person, and you have money. And now you have the money to back it up. Yeah. God, we're yelling about the same thing. <laughs> also, your hair. I know I haven't mentioned it yet, but it's important that you have so much money and you haven't fixed your hair. And I literally brought up Norman Osborn, so I gave you the lead into did. it. I you did. You have to search earlier, for that one. But that's true. I'm really excited. <laughs> Normally, you just scream about it when I mention Chris Evans. <laughs> Norman Osborn! His hair! His hair! His hair! Well, you have too much money for hair like that. I'm not saying that it's just me talking about our current non-president, but 
does he also has in the same he also place. has too much money to have hair like yes. that. <laughs> okay. If you have more money than God and you still look like a shithead, then that's on you. It's true. Um, so after Norman Osborne was found out to still be crazy. <laughs> Steve Rogers. And everybody else was like, oh, actually, we're not the person that we said we were. I'm not Spider-Man. I'm not Miss Marvel. We all are just wearing dumb outfits. And then I feel like almost every one of the new X-Men, except like two, or the dark X-Men, except two of them were like, actually, we're just here because you're fucked up and we want to find out why. (laughs) Matt Gargan was like, I swear to God, I didn't eat anybody. (laughs) He's just wiping like a piece of person off of his face. Jesus. (laughs) Jesus. <laughs> Shit. Oh. Okay. Anyway, so after after his fuck up and fall, Steve Rogers ended up creating two new teams affiliated with Hammer and Shield. One led by himself, and the other is by former Shield director Maria Hill, who basically assembled the Black Ops teams and they manage all the problems that the Avengers could not take on publicly. Ah. Which I feel like the X-Men did that too. Yeah. Though there's like Logan. Yeah, a Logan's team who does things that Scott can't mm-hmm. do for publicity. Team C sake. in Europe. Yeah. Um, so that's it, basically... Sorry. Sorry? Fall! <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. So, <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm on fire today! <laughs> but that basically is where it leads us off. I mean, I haven't done any more research since I researched Aaron Carter, so I assume it's at the That's same point. Nice. COVID, nothing's happened since COVID yeah. started, right? If it has, it doesn't really count. Mm. But uh, so Steve is still leading that that one team, and Maria is still leading that other team, and that is basically the history of the organization of Shield mm-hmm. that we love so much. Yeah, some boss ass bitches that we boss are ass bitches. fans of. I have a quiz. What Shield stand for, Martha? <laughs> oh no! So originally it stands for something else, and I don't remember it, so it doesn't fucking matter. Super Supreme. Oh, Supreme International Espionage and Law Enforcement Division. Because I immediately was like, "You snobby fucking dick." <laughs> Um, but the other one is, <sighs> there's like two of them. There's uh, the one it stands for. Strategic hazard. Yeah. Something, something logistics division. So yeah, in the, com- <laughs> in, uh, in the comics, it's intervention espionage. Mm-hmm. And in the MCU, it's intervention enforcement. True facts. I usually just look that up as I'm getting drunk. As Victoria Hand. That's so that fair. I, don't I never know what it is. It's okay. And I go, I don't need to know. I'm from S.W.O.R.D. That's very fair. <laughs> and I handle aliens, so shut the fuck up and mm. leave me alone. I'm gonna Do you know who I am? An alien fucking probe you if you don't shut the fuck up. I know a bunch of them. Uh, hi, all of my alien friends are weird, and I'm gonna <laughs> let them, like, do their thing. Also, I'm gonna go fuck Beast, because I like <laughs> a lot of weird shit. Because <laughs> that's... Like, you're blue and hairy, and I'm into that. Yeah, well, she she's an alien. Abigail Brand herself Girl, get your alien. fucking shit. You do you, girl. You're so hot. Mm-hmm. All right. So, episode 22. 22. Dragon Con. We're sad that we we're not there. Very, very yes. much, but um, 
It's okay. We'll see you next yeah. year. Next year, we'll go so hard. I was, was going to say, we'll go extra so hard. hard. Yes. But, uh, it probably just means that we're just going to be... Our first convention back, I probably won't remember. Because <laughs> we're probably just going to be that fucking hammers. Yes. Yeah. So it'll be good. But yeah, so thanks for listening, everyone. Uh, please make sure... I know we say it every time, but please, please, please rate, rate review, review subscribe. subscribe. We're on uh, Spotify. We're on Apple iTunes. We're also on Podbean. Also, make sure you follow us on Instagram. It's just at, but first, let's talk nerdy. Otherwise, we'll be back next week unless I decide to get into another fight with Bigfoot. Yes, unless uh, cryptid, I mean... Cryptid Fight Club is going pretty well for you for the no, most part. No, you can't talk about number one rule of Cryptid shit, Fight Club shit, is not shit, to talk about Cryptid Fight Club. Shit, shit. This is why Martha isn't part of it. Yeah, also I'm very lazy and a fucking weakling. <laughs> but uh, yeah, unless that happens, mm-hmm. we will we'll be back. Yes, next Tuesday. Yeah, so we will see you next Tuesday. That was a clink. It sounded like the worst sound ever. (laughs) It didn't even have really a sound. There we go. That violence. (laughs) My nose felt that. (laughs) Okay, anyways, it's (laughs) sorry, I got distracted. Luna, do not eat my really cute bag. She's like, I just want to own it. That's it's not I'm yours. Not it's mine. This is my favorite. You are not gay enough for it. Aww. Because you got neutered really young. <laughs> she got spayed, actually, because she's a female. You're so <laughs> right. Shit. <laughs> <laughs> I've watched so much Price is Right. I should know this shit. <laughs> oh, fuck. Okay. This has been a broadcast of the ESO Network. Be part of the crew and help support our shows by donating to our ESO Patreon or by shopping for the Tee Public Store, which can all be found at esonetwork.com. The ESO Network, your station for all things geek.